Continuity's State of Storage and Backup Security Report 2023 reveals that on average, there are 14 security risks found in a typical enterprise storage and backup system. Out of the 14 risks, three are considered critical or high risk. Now, in the past two years, online backups were frequently targeted as part of ransomware attacks. This led to data being deleted or made otherwise unusable to prevent recovery of now encrypted primary data. Technology specialists tell us the recommendation is to maintain an immutable, preferably offline copy of backups and to test them regularly to ensure viability. Now, the report concluded that there remains a lack of hardening both in backup environments and storage systems themselves. Now, Pure Storage the CTO and VP for Asia Pacific in Japan, Matthew Usvin, joins us on this pod chat to help us fix storage vulnerabilities and backup misconfigurations before they happen once and for all. Matthew, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Alan, thank you for having me. As usual, can you name a common prevailing myth around storage, backup, and data recoverability? Well, there's been many myths over the years, hasn't there? And and I think it's always predicated on the technology type that is in use and in, in vogue. And today, many organizations are investing a lot in cloud and public cloud. There's a rotation towards that. And, and, you know, there's a myth that I think has formed here that cloud storage is 100% secure, uh, that once you've got your data in there, that, that you're largely protected. And of course, that is a pretty dangerous thing to believe as well. Uh, but if we go back over the last few years and think about some of the other myths, you know, some of them are built around the fact that organizations had invested in perhaps a RAID array and they think that RAID, whether it's RAID 5 or RAID 6 or even mirroring is enough to help them from a backup perspective or a, a business continuity perspective. And of course, uh, it's absolutely not. And there is still a small percentage of the population that's out there and every now and then you bump into them, thankfully not from the larger organizations, but certainly commercial organizations that just data backup isn't necessary. The tools that we have in their eyes are good enough to be able to you know, maintain business continuity. And, and of course, that's a dangerous myth to believe. Could you help us identify the three most common storage vulnerabilities in Asia, including perhaps backup misconfigurations that often leave organizations vulnerable to cyber attacks? Well, you know, data is, is something that we need to treasure and, and protect. One of the criticalities that needs to be focused on here is around encryption. Uh, at Pure, you know, we've always maintained that it's not enough just to encrypt data at rest. You need to encrypt it when it's in transit or in motion as well. So that is a, uh, you know, a huge vulnerability if the data sets are exposed because it's, you know, easy pickings for cyber criminals. There's also issues around misconfiguration. I was talking earlier about this rotation towards the public cloud, you've got to make sure that you know what you're doing within the public cloud, just like whether you're doing something on premises. And in that situation, ensuring that the configuration is accurate, is secure, and doesn't lead to data exposure is very important. And I think the final thought I would leave you with here is really around the element of human error and that vulnerability when people make mistakes, when they're not familiar with technology, when they make misconfiguration issues, for example, within backup, that can you know, be very disruptive to an organization. What does a backup misconfiguration look like? 
Well, a misconfiguration can be something quite simple where you're pointing to the wrong target, you're pointing to the wrong location. And in those circumstances, there's an expectation that data is going to be received in a particular area and on a particular device that has enough capacity, that has enough speed to be able to ingest the backup and that the backup will occur within a given window. Typically, it's going to be during the downtime of an evening. And you know, if you don't keep a sharp eye on these details, you can be missing your organization's SLAs, uh, which would be quite detrimental. Why are organizations, despite everything they've been told and despite all the latest and greatest in innovation and best practices, why do they still fail to address data backup security risks? There's, there's probably dozens and dozens of, of reasons, and, and I really don't want to go through them all, but I do want to pick out what I believe to be the most important issues and, and the biggest criticalities that need to be overcome. But the fact is that, you know, we're surfing this wave of data growth at the moment. You know, it doubles what, every 18 months for a backup administrator and a storage administrator. That means, you know, we're asking them to do quite a bit. And quite frankly, we're also, from an IT management perspective, trying to reduce the amount of full-time headcount that's working on these types of installations. So you've got two forces that are pulling in, in opposite directions. So I, I think I would make the statement that we're not asking these people to do more with less, but you know, much more with much less. So there's real resource challenges that are associated with managing these environments. And the fact is that they're inherently complex. So that's a big problem that needs to be overcome. And I, I think also, depending on who's watching the storage, watching the backups, who's in control, and the level of experience that they have, quite often I see complacency that comes into this. So uh, people think that, you know, that they've been lucky for a period of time where there hasn't been an issue or an outage or a penetration from a, a cyber gang. Uh, and they think, you know, things are fine. Uh, we don't really need to keep this intense posture up. And of course, once you're complacent, that's when the, the vulnerabilities come in. It reminds me of an old saying, whistling past the graveyard. You know, you're just kind of ignoring the problem. And if there was a last point that I wanted to make here, it's the fact that the bigger the organization is, the more likely they are to have antiquated technology sets. And in fact, I describe this as the museum of technology. And you typically see this cornucopia of non-x86 based systems that run particular workloads very effectively. Well, they need to participate in this modern digital economy that makes up an IT environment. And that's where things can become quite unwieldy to try and manage and work around because, you know, what works in a, a modern x86 environment isn't necessarily going to work in, you know, some of the older uh, systems that, you know, are, are just uh, long in the tooth, Alan. Traditionally, backups and recovery fall under the responsibility of the chief technology officer or the CIO. Given the rise in cyber attacks targeting backups, why should the CISO get involved in data backup and when should they get involved? This is a really good question. And you're right, largely backups do belong to the, the CIO's organization. We always want collaboration in IT. So getting CISO involvement, you know, can help bring a new awareness and intensity to the cybersecurity threats. When it comes to backup and that environment, traditionally the CISO hasn't really been interested in that because it didn't play much of a part in threat prevention. With the rise of the ransomware attack, that changed everything. And it really pushed to the fore the importance 
importance of having immutable snapshot technology, for example, to be able to recover from. I'd just like to say this, though, that while we always welcome the CISO being part of these conversations, it's important that there are levels of collaboration between the CIO and the CISO that don't hinder the velocity of an organization's ability to be able to get the job done. And CISOs, unfortunately, have developed quite a reputation over the last number of years of being, you know, the department of no or slowing things down. So long as the CISO knows how this technology works and, you know, what characteristics that they're looking for to bring out within the backup environment, then I think it's going to be a successful partnership. Now, in recent months, we've started to hear AI, for example, artificial intelligence, and of course, automation coming into this storyline that, yeah, with uh, these advances in technology, these algorithms, they'll be able to take over some of the jobs, including backup and recovery. Will the adoption of AI and ML tools in backup and recovery processes simplify or strengthen an organization's security posture? In a situation where there is an outage or downtime, more than likely there is a human being at the center of the problem. And being able to automate processes and be able to extract the human being from manual configuration work is going to be beneficial for the overall system health. AI also brings characteristics around predictive analytics. So AI tool sets are inherently good at being able to extrapolate on data sets and, and be able to predict what's going to, to come next. So there's, there's a strong use case for that. When it comes to strengthening security, one of the big areas of investment has been around ransomware detection. Now, this is something that we've been working on as well at Pure Storage for the last number of of months. And in fact, we released a new product into the marketplace, which enables customers to be able to detect a ransomware attack within a block-based environment and then be able to respond, hopefully discreetly, to keep their systems up and running and protected from penetration. It's it's the only technology type that's available within a block-based environment as well. So we're very proud of that being released. There's also the capability for AI to do behavioral analysis as well, to understand the users and, and user patterns and what those behaviors should look like, and then to see if there's anything that's deviating from the mean. It also has tentacles into access control and, and data integrity verification as well. So there's a lot that AI can do. Some of it is small and incremental and some of it is is quite large, but I think accumulatively, we're going to see a positive impact of AI within this space. Being a CTO yourself and somebody who's familiar with all of this, can you provide some tip to enhance backup and recovery processes to reflect particularly the hybrid workplace or the how we work today, which is the norm these days, right? We learned a great deal during the pandemic when workers started to move remotely. And there was a a huge investment that was made by organizations in ensuring business continuity. And we learned a lot along the way. We learned that that there is a cornucopia of endpoint devices that need to be secured. And it's not just about putting a firewall around those devices, but it's ensuring that their firmware is up to date. Uh, It's ensuring that they have the latest backup and recovery software. And it doesn't just start and stop, by the way, PCs and of laptops. We're talking about, you know, mobile phone, talking about tablets. There's a a lot of different things that connect to a corporate network. So ensuring that that data is protected has been very important. So that's the first tip, ensuring your endpoints are secure and and backed up. And then we get into the the fact that you need to to test this. Uh, How often do you test it? What's your remote recovery plan look like? And uh, how seriously do you take that as an organization? And then just remember, lastly, 
from a tip perspective, Alan, that there's a something else that sits between the chair and the keyboard called the user. And these people need to be trained as well. So there's people, there's process, there's technology. And from a people perspective, we've got to make sure that they're battle hardened, that they're ready, that they understand what format the threats are coming in. Uh, we need to keep them up to date as well about the new types of threats that they're facing. Uh, and we need to make sure that they're well trained and well versed to be able to, uh, you know, protect themselves to not click on links that they shouldn't be clicking on and to remain vigilant when it comes to corporate communications either via WhatsApp or text message or email that, that you know it may not look right to them that they've got a mechanism that they can verify uh, the source of information very easily to protect the organization so 2024 is almost here what's your expectation as it relates to backup and recovery technologies and practices and more importantly what is your advice for responsible members of the organization again as it relates to keeping in line with threats and staying in line with the what's coming or what's available. We need to remain hypervigilant around security and, and remember that it has visibility of the entire organization and that extends beyond the C-suite into the CEO and, and even the board of directors. It's taken with, with incredible seriousness because we've seen over the last 24 months in particular, so many high profile attacks against large organizations that really has been detrimental to many of them. What's the cost of an outage, Alan? Is is it the amount of business that you, you didn't do that day? Or is it the cost of the hardware, the software, the services that was required to galvanize or to recover? Or is it more than that? And, and I would argue it's more. And we've, we've seen examples of the market cap of publicly listed companies actually taking a hit based on some big cybersecurity threats that they've been faced with. So it certainly is... You know, something that needs to be taken very seriously. And in fact, I would offer up one piece of advice for people to remember that are listening in, particularly if you're a CIO, and that is that you have an invisible KPI. I call it KPI zero. It's the one that, that sits before all else. And that is stay out of the news. That's your job as the CIO. Unless it's the, you know, the front page of CIO magazine or on your uh, podcast, Alan, where you've done a successful implementation. But if you're on the front page of the Straits Times or you know, the Sydney Morning Herald or the New York Post, whatever it might be, then inevitably it's not because it's good news. Fair enough on that one. No news is good news sometimes. <laughs> Matthew, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CIO. Thanks for having me, Alan. Always a pleasure. That was Matthew Uswin, Chief Technology Officer and Vice President for Asia Pacific and Japan at Pure Storage on the topic of fixing vulnerabilities and misconfigurations in backups before they happen. You are listening in the podcast for future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. Bye for now. Music.